here. If you would uh, get your bulletins out, we have some announcements before we get started. And uh, on the back is our opportunities for the week. We do have a tear-off portion in our bulletin. And if you're a guest, please fill out that side that is the uh, welcome side or the blue and put in the offering plate as it goes by. And uh, we'd love to follow up with you how you can know more about Mechanicsville Baptist. And then on the other side, the yellow side at the bottom is a place for prayer requests. We encourage you all to put a prayer request in there and we pray for you each Tuesday at our staff meetings. On the back of the opportunities for the week, I will go through some of these. Uh, tonight, there is no evening activity, so even that encounter service that's on there is not on. We are closed this evening for Memorial Weekend, and the offices are closed tomorrow. Uh, we do want to make mention, though, that deacon nominations, when are they? Next week. Next week's the final day. Deacon nominations, we need those in by next Sunday. By next Sunday. So we're finalizing our nominations. So if you have any deacon nominations, get them in before next Sunday as we plan for our uh, new season of deacons. And uh, Wednesday, we do have our midweek Bible study at 11. We have cold plate for dinner. I don't even know really what's on the cold plate. I've made a joke of it's just a plate. I don't know. What's, what's usually on the cold plate? Chicken salad. All right, all right. It'll be a good, it'll always be a good dinner. So come out for dinner Wednesday, 5.30. We do have a called business meeting this Wednesday at 6.15 right here in the sanctuary. We would ask that everyone be a part of that. And then Ensemble, Awanas, Connect, and Youth, we're all meeting after uh, the business meeting. So if you have kids that are here for the normal Awana's time or youth time, there will be things for them to do in the gym, but we're going to officially start them after the, uh, the business meeting. So at seven o'clock, Awana's Connect Youth. Although I think the Connect groups are over. Is that right? Paula, are, are you done with your Connect group? You're done. Yeah. So we're going to try to have one summer study so there won't be a connect group this Wednesday anyway. And then choir, 7.30, Sounds of Spirit at 8, Volleyball Thursday, and then rehearsal, sound check for music program, 6 p.m. Friday. Did I miss anything? I think we got it. All right. So Linda, come on up and uh, we'll be in our worship. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Before we go begin our worship, I'd like to make an announcement. Next Sunday evening, June the 3rd at 7 o'clock, we are going to celebrate the gift of music. You know, God has blessed Mechanicsville Baptist with so many wonderful and talented musicians. So we are going to present handbells, ensemble, the little children, the big children, um, the orchestra, the praise team. We're going to present an evening of music, and uh, you'll have some chances in there to sing as well. Very casual in the choir and ensemble on handbells will be providing light refreshments at the end so um, i hope you'll put it on your calendars and come join us as we celebrate god's gifts through music um, galatians 5 6 says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love how blessed we are to be able to claim that we are in the bond of love with god's spirit so i'd like you to stand if you need to, grab your hymnals and turn to 387. As Dwight begins to play, say hello to your neighbor. Say hello to your cousin, to your husband, to your wife. Meet and greet. She's late. 
welcome to keep reading if you need to say hello to somebody. We are one in the bond of love. We are one in the bond of love. We have joined our spirit with the spirit of God. We are one in the bond of love. Last time, really give it to him. seated. And as Tim preaches on uh, Galatians 6 in glorifying in the cross, uh, it's not redundant. I think he mentions this in his sermon, but I wanted to read Galatians 2 and we're going to read verses uh, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the cross this day. We thank you for the life that we live through Christ and through the cross. God, we thank you that apart from you, we can do nothing. Apart from you, there is nothing. And so, God, we celebrate uh, you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we celebrate your victory on the cross. We celebrate the work, uh, your power, your defeat of sin. And we, we claim this truth this day in this worship hour. God, as we worship you uh, in song, as we look into your word, as we hear from uh, Tim, through this sermon, we pray that we can understand in a deeper way how to glorify in the cross and the cross alone. God, we pray your Holy Spirit be here with us, and we pray you do unite us in this purpose. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. If you would stand back up and grab your hymnals and turn to page 446, we're going to sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Stand with me and sing 446, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Angels descending, break from above. 
story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior. Thank you. You may be seated. And if you would get your hymnals still out with you there, we're going to turn to page 242, I guess it is. 242 is our responsive reading at the bottom of the page on 242. I will read the worship leader. Tim will read along with the worshipers. And we will start 242. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. For to those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is God's power. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Standing on the Promises, hymn number 339, will you stand as we sing our offertory hymn? Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring.
life through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you this day for all your many blessings that you've given us. Thank you that we have been given new life in you. God, there's so many ways that we can give back to you through time, service. But right now, Lord, let us open our hearts and give sacrificially of our tithes and our offerings with hearts full of gratitude for the ultimate sacrifice that you've given through the, the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings fall. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
will pass this along to you. Um, Linda Posno's mother passed away uh, Friday morning, early, and uh, Jerry was here in the early service today, and uh, there will be a service a couple of weeks from now. There will be information in the uh, update and so forth related to her. Uh, she had been ill for quite some time and did pass away, and uh, please be in prayer for the family. They were going for a family time at the funeral home this uh, afternoon, and uh, then they will schedule a service at a later date, and she will be interred in Arlington uh, Cemetery, so that will take place uh, usually a couple of months uh, later uh, as they make appointments to go in there. But please remember them in prayer. This is uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I have chosen a poem, usually do that, and after the poem we'll have a moment of silence for, uh, in remembrance of those who gave the last full measure of devotion, as President uh, Lincoln said in his Gettysburg Address, and uh, we will have a moment of silence to remember those who gave their lives for our freedom and the opportunity that we have to worship freely here today. The poem is entitled, We Honor You Today, and it's by Susan R. Smith. To all of our veterans, far and near, we thank you for your service for all those years. You sacrificed your time, and some gave your life. You presented, preserved our freedom by willingly paying the price. Many of you were sent overseas. You were wounded in battle with scars and disease. But courageous and brave, you weathered the storm. You faced every battle with faith and beyond. We honor you with joy for all that you've done. You stood strong for our country, for our daughters and sons. So no one stands alone. We walk hand in hand. Remember, we are with you. Together we shall stand. We salute you today. We hear what we say. Let our words speak eloquently in this special way. On this Memorial Day, let us express our love and thanks for the sacrifice you paid. You served in honor for many years and days, and we will never forget how you were strong and brave. Let's bow for a moment of silence. Eternal God, we pray that you will hear our prayers. We give thanks for those who have come before us, who gave their lives so that we could worship today in your house freely and without fear. We're grateful, Father, for the many who answered the call and put their lives on the line so that we could remember them even today with fondness. And even though we are saddened that we live in a world that would call us to arms, we are grateful that there are those who are willing to go. We give thanks, Father, for those who went and returned. For we know, Father, they carry many times the burdens of those they left behind. We pray for them. 
We pray, Father, for those veterans who suffer because of the great price they paid in war. We pray for their families. We pray, Father, that in some way the peace that we enjoy in our lives can be restored in their lives if they are troubled. But we give thanks for them. And we remember and honor them today. We're grateful, Father, for this church, for the ministries and opportunities we have together here to share, for the story of the cross. Because without the cross, Father, we have no story. We are grateful, Father, for the power of redemption that comes to us through your love, shown to us in your Son. For those, Father, who have lost loved ones in our church family even in this past year, we can remember them today too. We pray particularly, Father, for Linda and for Jerry and for their family as they deal with the loss of Linda's mother. Comfort is only you can comfort. For those who are ill and facing surgery, for those who are recuperating from surgery, for those who are facing uncertain days, Father, we give them to you. And know that you can walk alongside them and work in their lives. We are grateful, Father, that as we pray, you hear our prayers. We also pray this morning, Father, for our missionaries around the globe. We're grateful for their service, for hearing the call and responding. We pray that you will bless them, provide for them those things that they need as they share the message of the cross. We pray, Father, for those who are not with us today because they are traveling on this weekend. We pray for their safety. And we look forward to the time that we will be together once again. As we open your word in a few minutes, Father, we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds so that we might understand and apply the principles of your word and of your spirit to our lives. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. downward 
one touch then a new life began and the old rugged cross made the difference in a life bound with heartache and defeat I will praise him is certainly something we need to contemplate. No better subject than to remember and to look at the scripture and see how Paul deals with a very difficult issue in the church at Galatia as he talks about the cross. So we read this morning from Galatians chapter 6 verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. 
For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul's argument in Galatians is that if these Gentile Christians submit to circumcision as a symbol of their commitment to the Jewish law, they have nullified the power of the cross of Christ. Their circumcision would be a sign of dependence on the law and not grace for salvation. Paul wanted to make it abundantly clear to those who were hearing his words that the most significant part of your walk with God occurs in the cross. And if you pollute that with any other thing, then you have perverted the cross. This is not something that's new. It was going on in the time of Galatia. It goes on now. There are always those who would attempt to add more to what it is we are supposed to be in our relationship to God. The law is not the gospel of Christ. It is not a gospel at all, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. This thought is at the heart of our scripture reading today as we read a moment ago and it's summed up in our text. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gloried not in the law but in the cross. Paul's life had been transformed on the Damascus road in such a radical way that he gave up his Jewish tradition. He gave up his Jewish thoughts and his Jewish teaching in order to come to terms with the fact that the only thing that could save you was the cross and your dependence on the grace of God to deliver you. So let's look at Paul as he spoke to this church This morning, and see how he made it clear to them the significance and importance of the cross above all else. First, Paul gloried in the cross at the test of motivation. What were the motives of these Judaizers, these ones who were saying that you have to follow the law and be circumcised before you can be Christian? What was Paul's motive? The Judaizers are not to be trusted for several reasons. For one thing, their primary concern is that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. They did not want to suffer for the cross. They did not want to be called into question because of the law. Official Judaism would have tolerated a sect of Christianity that regarded Jesus as the Messiah and demanded circumcision of the Gentile converts. This would have removed, as they would say, the stumbling block of the cross. In fact, it was Paul's refusal to make this demand upon his converts which had resulted in his own persecution. 
We know that religion runs deep in people's veins. And we know that it was a difficult task for Paul to transform a whole society and culture of people to an understanding beyond what they had been taught for centuries. And yet Paul never would change his mind once Christ had changed it. It was Paul's refusal to make this demand upon his converts that led to his persecution to escape a similar harassment at the hands of their countrymen. The Judaizers were eager to be able to point to a large number of Gentiles whom they had persuaded to submit to the law of circumcision. In this way they would make a good showing as Paul said in the flash. It was an outward kind of thing that gave them comfort in knowing that they would be protected from persecution. Furthermore, Paul charges that even those who receive circumcision do not themselves keep the law. They paid lip service to the law. Just as many people pay lip service to the Lord today. The Judaizers' great desire is that they may glory, Paul said, in your flesh. They might take some reward because of something you did that they manipulated you into doing. This is the second time in as many verses that the phrase in flesh occurs. It indicates the realm of the physical in which the Judaizers have their ground for glory. Paul was not a stranger to this kind of religion, but now he expressed revulsion in its presence. Far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood that in order to be what you need to be in relationship to God, you must be transformed by the power of the cross and through the resurrection. There's nothing that you can do because Paul had done everything he could do. Paul had been a Jew among Jews, as we'll look at in just a few moments. Paul had been the one who was on the way to persecute Christians for the sake of Judaism when the Lord changed his life. You see, Paul understood that the Judaizers' first motive was human pride. Those who want to make a good impression outwardly, he said, are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Paul is saying they would make capital out of your compliance. They would boast of having won you over to carnal rights. The teaching of the Judaizers was only a pious form of human pride. They wanted to convince as many people as they could to be what they wanted them to be. And people do that today, don't they? People add to the message of the gospel. People want us to conform to what they want us to be. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of me, you must be transformed. You must be renewed. You must be, as the scripture teaches here, a new creation. Their second motive was fear. And fear is a great motivator, isn't it, in life? Fear causes us to do things that we normally wouldn't do. Fear causes us sometimes to say things we normally wouldn't say. Fear paralyzes us. They are trying, he said, to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. In effect, Paul is saying those who would force circumcision on you have no sincere faith in its value. 
Their motive is quite different. They merely hope to save themselves from persecution for professing the cross of Christ. Both Judaism and the Roman authorities would tolerate a Christianity that was only a sect of the Jewish religion, but the cross set the Christians apart in such a way as to bring persecution from both Jew and Romans. Therefore, they were afraid that if they didn't get people to conform, that they would pay a price. They had seen the wounds that Paul had encountered. And he called that out to them in the latter verses of this chapter. Their third motive was selfishness or worldliness. Paul said, not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. He is saying, look at their inconsistency. They advocate circumcision and yet they themselves neglect the ordinances of the law. They don't even keep the law they are trying to get you to conform to. Paul understood this when he spoke to the Roman church, when he said to those on the sidelines when he was telling the Gentiles how they had lived and how they had neglected God and how they had seen evidence of God in various and sundry ways. And he turned to the Jew in verse chapter 3 and said, But you, old Jew, are without excuse. Because you had the law and you didn't keep it. They want to be able to boast of the number of Gentiles to be circumcised as a result of their efforts. They were numbers people, if you will. They wanted the numbers. They wanted to be able to point to those who would call them into question and say, but look what we accomplish for the Jewish faith. Paul's motive was pure and true to the gospel in contrast. He said in verse 14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul placed no value here on his impeccable credentials as a Jew. He could describe himself as he did in Acts chapter 23, a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. And in writing to the church at Philippi, he listed his entire pedigree in Philippians chapter 3. From the Jewish standpoint, these were real credentials. But how did Paul regard them? As rubbish, garbage, he said, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul gloried only in the cross. If he could be in one of our church services today, no doubt he would gladly sing with us in the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round that head sublime. Paul gloried in the cross as the means of separation. It is not that the Judaizers gloried and Paul did not. Rather, it is that the Judaizers gloried in the flesh of the Galatians, whereas Paul gloried in the cross of Christ. Rightly understood, the cross of Christ renders both circumcision and uncircumcision meaningless. The cross changes everything about our relationship with God. Prior to the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, things were different. But after the cross... The things that seemed to matter didn't matter anymore because God had shown us a new way to relate to Him. And new is always scary. New always causes us to recoil. New keeps us 
from being what God would have us to be because it is difficult for us to renew ourselves. The cross separates believers from unbelievers. The Jews deplored the offense or scandal of the cross. Some Jews might have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but they could not accept a crucified Messiah, a Savior on a cross. They wondered how could God permit this wonderful being to experience the degrading, agonizing penalty of the cross. The apostles pointed to the Old Testament explaining that the crucifixion was a part of the Messiah's experience described and predicted hundreds of years earlier. Preaching in the temple courts after the healing of the man who was crippled from birth, Peter said, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Christ would suffer. For the most part, the Jews would not accept this teaching, nor would many of the Gentiles. To the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block. And to the Gentiles, as we read earlier, it was foolishness. To Paul, the cross was God's means of salvation. Isn't it wonderful to know that God can work out things for us even when we don't understand it and declare it to be foolish? They thought that they understood. And God took their understanding and turned it completely upside down and did something that changed the way we relate to God and the way we relate to one another. Paul said, I can find no glory in anything save the cross. In personal terms, Paul said of the cross, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul considered his acceptance of the crucified Christ as the end of his life in the world and the beginning of a new life in Christ. To him the world's appeal was dead. Earlier in Galatians, Paul declared, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross is primary. All other things are secondary. Paul made his boast in Christ and him crucified. He said, the world has been crucified to me. He is saying, what is the world to me now? What are the things of which I once boasted? They are crucified. Paul also said that he had been crucified to the world. He said farewell to the world and the world said farewell to him. His life's work was a continuous protest against the spirit of worldliness because Paul understood that this life was not his home. This world would pass away. That the new creation that he had become in the cross and through the resurrection is what he looked forward to. Remember when he said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me and not only to me but to all those who love his appearing. 
Paul, like his master, was despised and rejected of men. And all because of Christ crucified. The cross separates believers from the world. It separated Paul. It separates us. Paul gloried in the cross as the way of salvation. Isn't it interesting how these verses started? Or we started in verse 11 when he says, See with what large letters I have written to you. You know, those of you who have phones and do texting, you put it in bold and... um, capital letters. That's what Paul was doing here. He didn't have a cell phone, but he was making emphasis. You need to hear what I'm saying, he is saying. If you don't hear anything else, he said, hear the cross. Paul gloried in the cross as the way of salvation. Paul continues, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. A new creation, he says, externals do not count. What counts is being a new creature in Christ Jesus, being transformed by the power of God's Spirit. The acceptance of Christ crucified is the only way of salvation. Jesus said on his last journey to Jerusalem in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Paul knew that the cross meant suffering. But he knew the glory of the cross. Commentator Frank Stagg wrote, The cross stands for death. In principle, it is death to self in the act of surrender to Christ. It is the denial of the self that would have its own being apart from God and others. Although it is death, it is also life. The cross is life through death. It is finding a new way of life by rejecting the way of self-love, self-trust, and self-assertion. The cross is God's way of salvation. There is no other. And those who would add to it, like the Judaizers, and those who would add to it today are mistaken. And they're not living The way that God would have us to live. To reject the cross is to reject God. To reject the cross is to reject grace. We have a message to tell. And that message has not changed. It's as powerful today as it was the day it was lived. But people aren't listening. The cross has saved our lives. There's no doubt. Paul gloried in the cross as the touchstone of Christian unity. The person who trusts in the redeeming merits of Christ's death on the cross for his sins and and only in that is a Christian and the one who does not is not a Christian. Listen to Paul again. I hit it again, Galatians 6.15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. God is willing to accept Jews and Gentiles alike. It makes no difference. He blesses all who agree to live by His principles. But the key phrase here is in verse 16. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. That statement can be overlooked, but that statement is powerful. The Israel of God is implied contrast to the Israel of the flesh and the law. It stands here not for the faithful converts, 
from the circumcision alone, but for spiritual Israel generally, the whole body of believers, whether Jew or Gentile, the Israel of God. Remember when God said to Abraham that he would bless his seed? We are all Abraham's children because of the cross. We are the Israel of God. He has saved us and redeemed us. The entire argument of Galatians is against creating two groups of believers, Jewish and Gentile. Paul's clear position is that Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ, and so are we. Thus, the true Israel of God is a bold way of stressing this truth. Paul pronounces a benediction of peace and mercy on a third race of people, if you will. Neither Jew nor Gentiles, but Christians. The cross is the touchstone of Christian unity. It brings all those together who would accept it. Remember what Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. The entire argument of Galatians is against creating two groups of believers. Perhaps mentally and emotionally spent from writing such a difficult letter, Paul draws it to a close by demanding, Henceforth let no man trouble me. You know what he was saying. He was saying, leave me alone. You ever felt that way? I've told you the truth, he's saying. I've shown you the way. I've paid the price. He refers to his battle scars, the scars from beatings, stonings, and other ordeals he has endured in the service of Jesus Christ. They identify him as either the slave or devotee of Jesus Christ. In a letter in which he has been compelled to affirm the divine authority of his apostleship, he closes with a reference to his battle wounds. They are credentials also. You see, Paul did something that many of us are not willing to do. He was willing to suffer. We don't like to suffer. We do everything we possibly can do to keep from suffering. We don't like to see others suffer either, do we? If we're normal. We don't like it. We come up with all kinds of ways to alleviate pain and suffering and to avoid it at all costs. And yet we see one like Paul who was so transformed by the cross, it did not matter to him. And you know what? In the end, tradition tells us it cost him his head. You see, that's what Christianity is. A willingness To take up your cross and follow. In her book, The God Who Hung on the Cross, journalist Ellen Vaughn retells a gripping story of how the gospel came to a small village in Cambodia. In September 1999, Pastor Tu Sang traveled to Kampong Tom province in northern Cambodia. Throughout that isolated area, most villagers had cast their lot with Buddhism or Spiritism. Christianity was virtually unheard of. But much to Singh's surprise. When he arrived in one small rural village, the people warmly embraced him and his message about Jesus. When he asked the villagers about their openness to the gospel, an old woman shuffled forward, bowed and grasped Singh's hands, and she said... 
we have been waiting for you for 20 years. And then she told him the story of the mysterious God who hung on a cross. In the 1970s, the Khmer Rouge, the brutal communist-led regime, took over Cambodia, destroying everything in its path. When the soldiers finally descended on this rural northern village in 1979, they immediately rounded up the villagers and forced them to start digging their own graves. After the villagers had finished digging, they prepared themselves to die. Some screamed to Buddha. Others screamed to demon spirits or to their ancestors. But in this particular case, the woman recalled an old story that she had heard long ago. It was a story that her mother had told her about the God who hung on a cross. And so she started praying. And then the others started praying. And a wail was heard throughout the crowd of people who were about to have their lives taken. And then there was an eerie silence. And when they turned and they looked, the soldiers were gone. And she said, for 20 years, we've been waiting to hear the rest of the story about the God who hung on a cross. You see, that's the power of the cross. It changes lives. It creates within us a new heart. It transforms us. Do we glory in the cross of Christ? You see, the cross is not pretty. Not at all. But I would venture to say to you that the cross is beautiful. Beyond what we can see. Has the cross changed you? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for the love shown to us through the cross. For it's your power revealed in your plan to redeem us. Help us, Father, to remember and commit ourselves to the one who hung on the cross for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The cross is not simply a historical event that occurred 2,000 years ago. It is a spiritual fact now. We are involved. Jesus' choice of the cross as God's way to redeem humankind has been vindicated by thousands who, like Paul, have gloried in the cross. 
But the question is, what about you and what about me? The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. Glory in the cross. And you'll find the peace that Paul is speaking of. Our invitation hymn is number 500. Trust and obey. As we trust our Lord and Savior to deliver us, we can be obedient. Will you stand as we sing together?
Thank you for being here on this Memorial Day weekend. Lots of our folks are away in various places. We had 84 in the first service, which is pretty good for a Memorial Day service, uh, Memorial Day weekend service, and Dwight and Linda led us in that service, and also uh, our singer over here, Faye. She also sang with them in the first service, and we had a good time together there. Uh, so wanted to uh, thank them before you today as well. I don't have a picnic to offer you today. I'm sorry. We had such a good time last week with the picnic. You overwhelmed us with food. I told someone we never have food uh, to take home, uh, and I had a little bit to take home, and that's highly unusual because usually everything's eaten, but there was so much food, and I appreciate so much. We'll do that again. Maybe we can do that in October. Uh, because it was such a, a good time. There was a bird that joined us that I heard about later. Did you all see the bird and the bird in the nest up there? We'd sing and he'd flutter. So uh, anyway, we got back to nature last week, so we really did enjoy that time. Please be safe uh, the rest of this weekend. Um, remember, the church office is closed tomorrow. If you need something, though, you can always get me on my cell phone. Uh, I usually have it with me. Uh, as I say that, I forgot it left it at home today, but I was with you, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. But if you need anything, we are available, uh, and we'll uh, be a part of that. Remember, even though it lists Encounter tonight on the bulletin, there's nothing here because of the holiday, okay? Let's bow for a benediction. <clears throat> Gracious and eternal God, as we depart today, we do so glorying in the cross. Recognizing it's by the cross, Father, that we find redemption. But Father, we're not left at the cross because you overcame death through the resurrection. And we indeed are resurrection people. People that find hope in knowing that as we give ourselves to you, we can live an abundant life now and life everlasting in your presence. As we depart today, keep us ever mindful of that grace that has redeemed us now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen.